Welcome to Freelance with Freedom. I'm your host, Harriet Hadfield, and I'm so excited you're here. I help creative freelancers become fully booked and in demand in any market, on their terms and without burning out. I went from broke makeup artist living in a room I couldn't stand up in, living paycheck to paycheck, to working on the red carpets of LA as a celebrity makeup artist. I also created a six-figure business during a global pandemic in less than seven months. After working around the world and on set as a celebrity makeup artist 15 plus year, I was tired, tired of the hustle culture and an emphasis on being busy. I was tired of the starving artist mentality and buying into the narrative, there's only one way to be successful. So I decided to create my own version of success, to break the rules and rewrite my own. And I wanna show you how to do the same. If you're a freelance creative and you want to generate consistent income, work with your dream clients, and step into the CEO role in your business, you're in the right place. There's room for you at this table. I'm so excited because today's episode is sponsored by my signature group program, Freelance with Freedom, a lifetime group coaching program to help creative freelancers double their bookings in any market. This lifetime, yes, you heard me right, lifetime program is the group coaching container for creatives looking to increase their clients, irrelevant of what market they're in or where they live. This is my proven framework to double your bookings and create a life of freedom and fulfillment. This transformational program will change the way you do business forever and set you up with the skills you need for consistent bookings for life. No agent required, no more relying on word of mouth and no more burnout. Waitlisters have the chance to secure an extra special bonus. So join the waitlist now and you can check out the show notes for more details. Hello everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Freelance of Freedom, so excited you're here. We have so many exciting things happening at the moment. For one, I'm recording this as I'm about to head home to see my family in England, so I'm really excited to be able to wear blazers again, and generally all things fall, autumn, winter, clothing related. (laughs) Cannot wait. I'm excited for my mum's cooking, being Auntie Harry to my gorgeous nieces, and my nephew, I've got a new nephew and making some incredible memories there. We are also getting ready to open up the doors to Freelance of Freedom for the last time this year. So make sure you're on the wait list because we have an extra special bonus for anyone who joins when the wait list launches. If you want to join the best coaching program, lifetime coaching program for creatives who want to double their bookings in any market. So today I want to talk to you all about comparison, aka the thief of joy, am I right? (laughs) As a business coach for creative freelancers, there's one topic that comes up again and again, and you guessed it, it's comparison. So today I want to explore the topic of comparison from the lens of being a creative freelancer and break down what I see as the five stages of comparison and how to heal from it using a brand new tool I teach my clients called the Comparison Contingency Plan. It's so good. So before we dive into the five stages, we have to first accept we all at one time or another have or will face some kind of comparison, whether it's from someone else or directly us comparing our own selves. And the first point this brings me to is that not all comparison is a bad thing. Hear me out. So what if some comparison is actually helpful? The truth is we have to separate the helpful from the unhelpful. And that's what we'll talk about more inside the comparison contingency plan. So what does comparison look like? For most creatives, it means obsessively and intentionally checking what other people are doing in their life and or business. 
whether that's checking Instagram for a good old compare and despair sesh or asking people how busy they are. It's basically any action where we can validate something is wrong with us or we aren't successful enough or good enough. It is a way to measure how far we think we are from meeting an ideal of success. Okay, so that's how I kind of sum up comparison amongst creatives. So now let's get into the five stages. Let's go there. So I'm going to walk you through each stage and then we'll get into the healing and how to operate in your business free from comparison. So the five stages of comparison for creatives. So the first stage is boredom. Okay, I think boredom comes from a desire to escape the mundane, which when you've sold yourself on doing what you love for a living, you genuinely believe boredom shouldn't be something you ever have to experience. But no matter what job you do, no matter how much you love it, some days work is just work. And here's the important part, that doesn't have to be a problem. It doesn't mean that you don't love your work enough or that you chose the wrong career and need to switch it up. Achieving your greatest desires won't solve every problem in your business. But what if boredom isn't the problem you think it is? What if boredom is in fact a great indicator that you need more than your career? Yep, even if you love your work. So being able to shut the door on work is the real gift. And it doesn't make you love your work any less just because you don't want to be in it 24-7. I think one of the most damaging sayings is do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Because it puts so much pressure on us, much like finding the perfect partner. The perfect job does not exist. And that's okay. Also, hard work is different from hustle. And the idea that things should be easy all the time isn't helpful. You can value hard work and completely separate that from hustling. So when we put the overnight success story in the IG highlight reels on the pedestal, we think we're doing something wrong just because we don't get it right on the first try. Because God forbid, we have to fail 20 times before we get it right. And yet all roads lead to Rome. But when you value doing it the quickest or before anyone else, that's when you miss the best bits. And beyond intentional breaks from work, where can you just allow space to be, well, bored? (laughs) What if you worked really hard to be bored? I remember my coach saying that to me once and I couldn't believe how much that hit home. I grew up hearing that the devil makes work for idle hands and there was a time growing up when the B word, as I called it, boredom, (laughs) was actually banned in our house because being bored was the same as being either ungrateful or lazy. So it made so much sense to me that I would rather be anything other than bored because I believed it was bad to be bored. And we all know how much baby Harry didn't want to be bad. (laughs) So boredom is a natural human feeling at times. And what if being bored without judging yourself for it is the missing piece, especially when it comes to problem solving inside your business and generating the bookings you really want? So where can you allow yourself, first of all, to be bored, to explore that? And I think for a lot of creatives, boredom also leads to waiting. So, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. I'll just wait to get a client. So notice if you're subconsciously waiting for an invite or someone to stumble across you. And if this is you, I want to ask yourself, how easy have you made it for your clients to find you? So if it isn't crystal clear how someone can book you and why you're the best person for the job, why do you think people would be looking for you? The other thing with boredom is it can also mask a deeper belief that you're operating from inside your business. 
So ask yourself, is my boredom masking something bigger that I would rather avoid facing? So for example, if you feel bored all the time, like every single day and you actually dread working, name what it is specifically you are bored of. Lean into that and ask yourself, if I wanted to change something up inside my business, what one thing could most likely decrease my boredom? What are all the ways you could creatively solve that? Do you need to explore some new hobbies? Do you need more time for friends and family? How else can you meet your own needs so you don't put all the pressure on your business to decrease your boredom? Stage two is what I call seeking proof. So it makes sense if your only downtime is used to scroll Instagram to measure your success or lack thereof, that your brain will seek out proof that you either are a success or are a failure. And notice how our brain is really good at offering, like only offering up all or nothing scenarios. Because when we fall into comparison, our brain throws all logic out the window. It casually forgets the nuances of creative life and the fact that everyone's situation is wildly different. And yet we all get to create our own definition of success. We're freelancers. If we dive into the I'm a failure camp during our comparison spree, we'll likely seek out others who are also failing in a hope to feel better. Like our brain will say, let's find someone else who's worse than I am because that will make us feel better. And for most creatives, comparison takes the form of checking or seeking out some kind of proof that you're not alone for good reason. You head to Instagram to confirm everyone else is not busy. You seek out some kind of evidence that it's not you, it's your market, it's your industry, anything but you and your beliefs. And this is what I call the start of writing your own comparison novel. So your thoughts create a story about what is really happening. And from those thoughts, you go on to write a 600 page novel on what's really going on from the viewpoint of your comparison. So that looks like you check yourself against other people using your very own proof-seeking checklist. So, okay, aha, this person's in the same town as me and they haven't posted in a while. I think I'm onto something. That is until you find yet another colleague who is in fact booked in the same town. And into the spiral we go. So notice where you start seeking proof to validate what your brain is offering up about what the comparison is saying. And stage three, I would describe the next stage as frustration and panic. So this is where your brain goes, hmm, seems like other people are busy. What am I doing wrong? What do they have that I don't? Who do they know? How come it's working for them? And it becomes quite frantic. It's like we focus on other people and create stories and narratives as to why they are busy and we aren't. So our novels are growing longer by the day. And the problem is we sign up for all of it we don't interrupt our own thought pattern to question any of it. We believe it. And the panic is caused by a genuine belief that the pool of success is small and that there won't be enough room for us if we don't hurry up and claim our spot. So the fear is we're going to be left behind. We believe in these moments that there just isn't enough room for everyone to succeed. So something has to give. So it must be us and our dreams, right? If they make it, I'm going to be left out and sitting on the sidelines. That's what we tell ourselves. And the panic is followed by frustration, the fact that we see it as something that can't be undone. It's like we decide our fate is sealed, so we feel resentful towards our career and where we're on our journey. I should be further along. I'm so annoyed at how much harder I have to work now, which, surprise, surprise, 
usually perpetuates the hustle culture narrative of just do more, work longer hours, say yes to everything, lower your rates and burn out. So we turn to denial in a bid to mask our frustration and sell ourselves on doing more. The to-do list gets longer, the boundaries grow out the window, and before you know it, the things you wanted feel further away than ever. Life feels really hard and we feel rushed. Stage four is what I call bitterness and resentment. (laughs) So that's what comes next. So at this point in our comparison journey, if you like, we lose sight of the fact we have the power to change our current situation. And instead, we turn our attention to the people who do have what we want. We put all our energy into being mad at someone we've probably never even met. So we feel resentful that other people have what we want and we find ways to ridicule them and pick at their faults because that feels easier than acknowledging a belief that we are failing. And I remember this one well, and it's painful to remember how much I would criticize someone else's work behind closed doors in an attempt to make myself feel better because I felt so inferior that they were living the life I wanted or were doing the things I wanted to do. And yet, instead of taking action toward our dreams, we carry on waiting. There's a little bit of hope there. But the belief is it's out of our hands. So you keep telling yourself it's quiet season. There's no work. There's no clients out there. But we continue to check our peers on Instagram and hate on them because somehow they're still booked and busy and we're not. And the final stage of comparison is shame. So when we're done hating on everyone else, we can no longer hide who we are really mad at ourselves. So then we bring on the punishment of self-hatred criticizing every little choice we've ever made, every decision, and shaming ourselves left, right, and center. If I were to sum up the crux of comparison, it's embedded in a shame cycle. To be clear, shame looks like, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that, if only I had done this. And on it goes like the torturous cycle that shame truly is. As you progress through these stages, the conclusion is that you're bad, wrong, unworthy, a failure. Otherwise, why would you not have the same results as the people you're comparing yourself to? And herein lies the problem. You believe you are unworthy without a result. So you believe the result, whether that's the client, the calendar full, the job, the money, the followers, is where your worth lies. And you believe your brain. So you have to first recognize whose version of success you are trying to achieve. Is it truly yours? Who said you had to have a Vogue cover? Who said you had to hit a certain income? Who told you what success is and isn't? That's a great question to ask yourself. Like, are your desires genuinely of your own choosing? Or did you subscribe to the same desires of your parents, your friends, or even your industry? Sure, they may match up, but asking this question first and foremost is crucial, especially if upon investigation, you find yourself comparing yourself to someone who does not even have what you want, which is often the case. We just believe we should want the same things. For years, I wanted my work in Vogue magazine. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with wanting that. There are no good or bad wants. But when it happened, I waited to feel validated and enough And some glossy pieces of paper did not have and never did have the capacity to give me that. Only I could. 
And I'd compared myself to everyone else who was shooting for Vogue as the standard. Like that was what success was in my industry. I decided that even if the industry promoted it, I took that belief as if it were my own. So even after the first shoot, I thought, oh, I just need to do it more. In my career, I've had my work in numerous Vogue magazines and countless glossy magazines, but the validation I sought never came. Because when I was really honest with myself, I realized I'd borrowed someone else's dream. And even though it had once been mine, it changed. It lost its hold on me when I realized my worth could not be defined by the clients I had or the magazine titles that were in my book. And even today as a business coach for creatives, I've helped my clients get their work on billboards, on the covers of magazines like Vogue, work with huge names and global giants. And I've also helped clients say no to things that don't feel good for them to honor their version of freedom and success, even if that's different from what their industry would deem as successful. So let's talk about the comparison contingency plan. Using this framework has helped me and my clients own our version of success and confront comparison from a place of pure curiosity versus shame. With the understanding of the stages of comparison, we can learn how to confront it without judging ourselves for experiencing it. And this is where I want to introduce you to one of my favorite tools inside my Freelance for Freedom coaching curriculum, the Comparison Contingency Plan, aka how to win back your time and have your own back no matter what is going on inside your business. So using the Comparison Contingency Plan, we first identify what or who you're comparing yourself to. We can remove the rush. Then using the self-coaching technique and the CEO mindset I teach my clients, we can confront what is triggering the comparison and really unpack what beliefs and thoughts have come from the circumstantial trigger. So this allows us to look at it from a more neutral stance because we first process all the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings in a safe space in order to extract what I call the helpful home truths. So the helpful home truths don't require shame. Instead, my clients can identify potential problems, obstacles, or things that they might need to implement that could actually be helpful to their business. So I'm going to give you an example. So let's say you're a photographer and you've been comparing yourself to another photographer in your market. Using the comparison contingency plan, you might identify helpful home truths like, oh, I haven't posted my work for a few weeks. And this photographer does post pretty consistently. So notice how that thought can be completely neutral and that it doesn't have to be good or bad so you don't have to shame yourself. So a helpful home truth is shame-free. It is based on facts, not thoughts you have about someone or a situation. So if someone is posting four times a week and you haven't posted in four weeks, those are facts. They are truth. Your thoughts attach meaning to them. So once you have the comparison contingency plan, This helps you and your business. You are able to reset your nervous system because you now have a process to work with rather than wish away comparison or try to avoid it or fall into its trap. So the comparison contingency plan is just one of many tools inside Freelance with Freedom that will help you double your bookings in any market without burning out. And I cannot wait for you to join. We are literally changing the way creative freelancers do business for good. And I can't wait to see you inside. Thank you so much for listening to Freelance with Freedom. I'd love to continue this conversation over on Instagram. So come hang out with me at Freelance with Freedom. You can follow me there for mini trainings that include mindset and strategy to help you step into the CEO role in your business. 
And if you're interested in taking this work further, head to www.harrietadfield.com to find out more about working together. I'm wishing you an incredible week and I can't wait to see you in the next one.